Hello, this is episode 329 of the Purple Psychology Podcast. I'm Yusha Riley. So I'm recording this in the middle of the night for kind of a multitude of reasons. One, because it's quiet. Two, because I went to see the Elvis film yesterday. I was really traumatised by it. I'm going to talk about that. And I'm going to properly take a week off, which means I'm going to put this out early. And I can't take a week off without sort of downloading this from my brain. And I usually do something controversial when noticed in my journal around this kind of time of the year, every year. And this is probably going to be controversial. I think I might even give it the title Black Elvis. So I've inherited my parents' record collection, which I grew up with. And one of my earliest memories is my father telling me that Elvis was dead. I was just over one year of age. I know it's bizarre. I have like really vivid memories from really young my childhood. A few kind of bizarre ones that it's taken me time to to figure out what they were. Another one is actually being at the candlelit vigil at Christchurch Cathedral after John Lennon was assassinated. But there was always records in that collection that I loved and records that I didn't. And I didn't really understand why that is. And the other thing that's very striking about the record collection is that for the time in Ireland, my parents had a huge interest in black music and they had a lot of very unusual imported black records that were imported from the States that were, that were not readily available in Ireland. And so I kind of took it for granted that that was the sound that I grew up to. I suppose I've had a lot of questions around Elvis, like I was kind of surprised that he wasn't more outspoken in favour of racial integration and that he wasn't more outspoken. I've never read a statement when Martin Luther King was assassinated in Memphis in his hometown. You know, there was there was also striking gaps for me that I didn't understand, but I always had a lot of questions around them. Because I knew by comparison that when the Beatles played in America that they point blankly refused to go on stage to a segregated audience. And so knowing that there was a huge black influence on Elvis and that he grew up in a predominantly black community and had been incredibly integrated into that and also had a really big base in in gospel music and in black church life as a child. I always kind of wondered about that. I always wondered why he why he didn't appear to do more or say more. And in some ways, I've just I've just finished kind of chatting this out with a friend who hasn't seen the film yet. And in some ways I was thinking today, like, do they manage to kind of present some of this? You know, because I don't go to the cinema very often now because I really like what Hollywood does. And so, of course, I left it and I went and did lots of research and created timelines in my head and looked at articles. And, you know, since it's a Vanity Fair article, I'm going to include in the description and so on. So, like, I kind of took a film and then went, okay, well, what's real? You know, went off and did a lot of research yesterday afternoon. But a lot of the gaps have been answered for me. And essentially, what I see is that Elvis was a white boy who grew up black and then had to go out into the white world and try to survive. 
with a whole series of people who didn't want him to be himself. In a time when America didn't want there to be racial integration. And where they didn't, they certainly didn't want a huge following of a white idol moving on the stage in a way that reminded them of blackness, ultimately, and their, their skewed view of that, which having also listened to, to Bell Hooks' entire woman, who describes this really amazingly, she goes into the context of how black women were completely sexualized by white women and it was used as a, a weapon against them and this idea of them being loose and just overly sexualized and so you have this this rhythm and this amazing music that Elvis is moving on stage to that he's grown up with and that he has been influenced by these roots and in this way of moving and this embodiment and as he says himself in his interviews like he's not trying to be sexual about it and so you have a whole series of people white people sitting beside confederate flags going oh you can't move like this and, and literally chat threatening him with with jail in of course predominantly black communities such as Jacksonville, Florida, where they don't want a white guy on stage looking black, playing black music. And of course, yes, like I, I came watching the film going, okay, well, did he was he really embraced by black artists or did they feel completely screwed over? Because of course, as a white artist, he made vast amounts more money than they did. And you know, there's a there's a whole cycle which I'll go back to in a minute and the focus on money and and the, the, the downfall of that because of his manager's, manager's obsession. And yes, of course, there are, there are like, there are bad feelings, and that's why I include this Vanity Fair article. But on the whole, he did promote black artists and try to get them gigs, people like B.B. King, Little Richard, and um, Fats Domino, and other people like that. But his, his, his starting track, and I always knew this, and this was why the questions were in my mind, his starting hit single was recorded with a black label. And I always knew this. And certainly B.B. King, when he speaks in, in, you know, out about this, he, is, you know, he says that music is not owned by black or white, and you know that, that everybody is influenced by the roots that they grow up with, and that's that's what happened with Elvis. And certainly, Little Richard feels that he opened the door for black rock and roll. But of course, you know the the original singer for Hound Dog only got five hundred dollars by comparison to to what Elvis made. So you know it's not perfect, and this is what I mean by being somebody who who grew up. You know, in a black community as a white person and then went out to try and be in the white world and how to navigate that and what's really striking for me what I just did and I, and I just played a whole series of tracks to somebody and, and they saw this so crystal clear so I'm gonna I can't play the tracks for you unfortunately on the podcast even I think if I play snippets it will be taken down so I'll put them in order so the first track that I played was 
baby let's play house and you can like you can feel the black rhythms in the music and and the influence and you you know you watched elvis moving around on stage to the rhythm in a way that's you know perceived as black sexuality and bad sexuality and overly sexual and that track did very well but then you know within the same year blackness in in the music and then the beat and that track didn't do as well like having had a whole string of number ones that, that track pretty much bombed by comparison and then elvis was enlisted into the army he could have done this differently he could have been a sort of a poster boy and entertain the troops and it could have been so different but he was sort of i suppose led to believe that he would be seen as a loser i suppose if he didn't just go and be what everybody else expected of him and so he was he was talked into it and i suppose he hung around in a predominant white environment he was his hair was cut he was streamlined to be this white boy this american white boy and it's so painful like the the albums the the, the elvis gi blue album is just painful and, and one of the tracks on the list for you is pocket full of rainbows and, you know and I just played it somewhere and I'm like oh my god make it stop you know it's it's just it's so white and prissy and not moving and what's expected of a clean-shaven white american boy like that that is what elvis returned us it's just it's it's cringeworthy his whole soul has been severed and of course he stopped gyrating around the stage so everybody's happy he no longer looks black he's no longer playing black music he's no longer singing tracks written by black composers this that, that track is written by white people he has become white and and we move on like in his you know does a string of horrific films which there are soundtracks to like he's got a prolific career for somebody who died by the age of 42 and so many albums but there's all these horrendous christmas albums it's just it's just cringeworthy and it's like as if his connection to his whole soul has been severed and at this point he's a drug addict which is hardly surprising because he's he's not expressing himself he's he's living in his body and in his music no longer singing the music that makes him happy he's no longer being the person he was as a child and what influenced him and how he grew up and who he is all of that has been just severed he's been created into somebody that he's not and so he doesn't speak out when martin luther king is assassinated despite like listening to his addresses and thinking that he talks a lot of sense and being from memphis and knowing what that means and so when bobby kennedy is assassinated he has a different manager at that stage somebody who also goes on to represent diana ross who's a lot more progressive who doesn't need him to be white who wants him to be dressed in in rock and roll moving on the stage singing rock and roll songs that are influenced by black artists singing black music again doing a gospel piece and he writes a track if i can dream 
which I never realized was a sort of a politically motivated song. And it's always been one of my favorite tracks. And I, I never I never understood the significance of that 1968 comeback special. I didn't understand the history of it. So we suddenly have, have Elvis back as, as the best of himself. And then he gets sucked into a white environment again, playing you know, to a white audience in this kind of cabaret-style smallness of privilege and, and keeping everybody happy again. And of course, he's completely addicted to drugs and completely loses himself. So for me, like there's such, there's just a strong correlation between not actually being able to be in the world as himself and as his roots and as what it speaks to him, and not being able to express that and not being able to to move around the stage in the way that his own mother didn't have a problem with, and as she said, you know, they came from a very religious family and God didn't have a problem with it. But yet the rest of the world had a problem with it because you had a white person being black. And, and that was the part that was so disturbing for me in, in the film and came through so strongly. I'm not sure that I usually go and see a different film to everybody else. But when I sat down and I looked at the timeline and I started to see what tracks did well and I started to read into this. and like The part for me that, that always jars is that there, there's this like golden moment which which is in the film as well you know where where beetle street is is thriving and it's the black renaissance and there is so much culturally that is just so rich and so vibrant between music and theater and film and writing and poetry there's just so much in that generation that's so rich and so amazing and black people are doing well in america and ultimately what happens in the 50s and 60s is that white people don't want to see that they want to crush it they want to take over and so elvis was this representation of this being who could cross those boundaries and being in the wrong place at the wrong time, in representing what had to be crushed, and that crushing him. I, I think the lack of expression of your true self is so much more detrimental to your being than anything else. And so like, I just came away traumatized from that, from that, that sense of that, knowing of that. And the sense of possibility in it if he had just been surrounded by different people who were able to stand up for him, who were able to let him be himself. Like how different would the world have been if Elvis had been true to himself? In the same way as the Beatles said they weren't going to go on stage. And this is the same era when Ellis Fitzgerald travelled to Europe and didn't have to play to a segregated audience. And there's an amazing lost recording they came out only a few years ago of her speaking about that. But what would the world have been like if Elvis could have been his black self? And it will always be my favourite music. And as you <laughs> travel through this journey now and, and you start to really listen to it, and then you can go back and you can find the original black artists of the music and you can 
have a moment of pause when you listen to the quality of their music and the fact that they weren't offered record label gigs. Like whenever I listen to Elmer James, I always think, you know, I just feel so fortunate that we actually have the sound preserved at all. That there's such a richness to it. And, and you will hear that richness as you play down through those tracks. And in the middle, you'll hear it all gone. And that ultimately is, is what white people need to suppress and they need to control and they need to, to find ways to make it seem seedy and sexual and bad and wrong when it's just soul. And Elvis lost his soul. And he was dead by 42 from trying to suppress it. 